0: Welcome to The Scene Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Scene Podcast. I am your host, Justin Borak. This is, of course, an affiliate of The Scene Newsletter. So if you're reading that, but you like hearing things too, you've come to the right place. I'm theater content creator Justin Borak. I already said that, guys. I'm still getting used to being on this show, but I'm very happy to be here. I'm joined by my wonderful producer, KJ. KJ, how are you? Hey, Justin. Happy post-Thanksgiving. I had so much food over the holiday. I'm really excited to get into the second episode. Oh, that is so, so, so good. But we have an amazing episode for you today. So settle in while you're on that drive to your commute, or if you're listening while you're eating lunch or whatever, for some fun theater content. We have a shows you should know. We have a theater in a minute. We have some fun rotating segments, and I really hope you enjoy this one. KJ, let's just get to the episode. Shows you should know. Alright, it's time for Shows You Should Know, the segment where I get to do my favorite thing in the world. Tell you all about plays and musicals you might not have heard of but need to consume ASAP. And today, we have three, and this is actually kind of random, three pieces of feminist theater. Really, really cool theater about really awesome women and really wonderful stories written by women. Super, super exciting and cool. This was totally by accident, but I'm so excited to get all of these stories across to y'all. Okay, so first off is one of my favorite plays. One of the hottest plays Right now, in colleges and in high school, well, I guess more in colleges. It has some adult themes in it, but it's just an amazing play. It is John Proctor is the Villain by Kimberly Bellflower. Let me give you the story. At a rural high school in Georgia, a group of lively teens are studying the crucible while navigating young love, sex ed, and a few school scandals. Holding a contemporary lens to the American classic, they begin to question who is really the hero and what is the truth, discovering their power in the process alternately touching and bitingly funny, this new comedy captured a generation of mid-transformation, running on pop music, optimism, and fury, writing their own coming-of-age story. John Proctor is the villain is the incredibly hot, off-the-presses, contemporary feminist look at The Crucible, and it is wonderful it is so funny it is so smart it is captivating and it is one of the strongest titles in all of colleges this year and i personally cannot wait to see it because i'm going to see it at the university of pittsburgh in october i'm so pumped this play is happening all over the place and do not miss out it is perfect for colleges and regional theaters due to you know mature themes and adult languages maybe not perfect for high schools but it's six women three men And it's just great. Almost all the characters are high school age or like college age, except for one man who's playing a teacher in his thirties, but all around John Proctor is the villain, such a good play. Go check this one out. This next one is another one that I'm very excited about. It's called the fruit trilogy by, uh, the infamous playwright, uh, who wrote the vagina monologues and who wrote, uh, the body of the world, uh, playwright V, V is her name. Wonderful. Okay. So the story a play that speaks to these explosive times and charts of the journey of a woman, from the disembodiment that comes from violence to the embodiment that comes from self-love. This person is brilliant. V is just such a wonderful playwright. And this play is a three short plays, so it's like a collection of three plays that are all about giving a voice to defiantly ordinary women. These three plays are called Pomegranate, Avocado, and Coconut. So pomegranate is about two women for sale. Uh, Avocado is about a woman on her chaotic, shocking journey towards freedom. And coconut is, I love the description of this. From the bliss of her bathroom, a woman connects with the one thing she's never fully owned, her body. Woven together through dark humor and heightened theatrically, Fruit Trilogy explores the humanity behind the headlines. I love this play so much. When I read it, I was super, super, super pumped. Fruit Trilogy embarked on like a feminist journey of discovery, journey, perseverance, and well fruit you know (laughs) V's comedy is brilliant as we all know from like the the vagina monologues and her drama is also brilliant with like the body of the world so this is a wonderful collab of those two sides of this playwright and it's a great collection of short plays again mature themes and some adult stuff in there so really good for colleges really good for regional theaters uh four women cast i think a four woman cast I believe, but fruit trilogy, an amazing collection of plays. If you're looking for something in that genre. Uh, and then finally a play that I recently read that I just loved so much. It's called they promised her the moon by Laurel Olstein. The story of this one. The first American woman to test for space flight, Jerry Cobb, steps into an isolation tank for a record-breaking nine hours as her memories unfold before her. From learning to fly a plane as a child in Oklahoma to testifying in congressional hearings about the under-the-radar all Mercury-13 space program, they promised her the moon It's a compelling drama about the challenges of sisterhood and fighting for the greater good, based on a true story. Now here's one thing. I love a good docu-play. And this is like right in that wheelhouse. A true story about a female hero and a space legend. This play is like amazing for anyone to do. And it's also perfect for high schoolers. Has some tamer language, some really good collective themes but it never talks down to anybody. It is just wonderful. The play also is really cool because it has a few options with casting. It can be cast with three men and three women with doubling involved but it can also be cast with up to 18 actors. So it's really good for bigger schools, smaller schools, and really anyone looking for something maybe a little more historical, maybe a little more hyper-realist. I I wouldn't say like Annie Baker hyper-realist, but something that really sits in a world that we all know, which is like the American government and NASA and space. It is, it's just wonderful. And the other cool thing is the set is super flexible for this play. You can do it in a black box in a high school to a huge regional theater proscenium. Anything you want to do, you can do with this play, and it is just wonderful they promised her the moon by laurel olstein i love this play i'm also a big space nerd so if you're a space nerd you might also love this play This is also a play scripts title so the cool thing about play scripts titles is that you can read them for free on their freaking website so go check out they promised her the moon uh, on play scripts i love i love that play but uh yeah those are my three plays you should know shows you should know john proctor is the villain brilliant fruit trilogy brilliant and they promised her the moon freaking brilliant Yeah, that shows you should know. Let's get to the next segment. Theater in a Minute. That's right. It's time for Theater in a Minute, where I explain something from theater past, present, or future as quickly as my brain will let me. Today's topic is the Tony Awards. So, KJ, let's get to it. Start the clock in three, two, one. Tony Awards, often referred to as the Antoinette Perry Awards for Excellence in Broadway Theater, are prestigious honors recognizing outstanding achievements in live Broadway. Here is a brief history of the Tony Awards. The Tony Awards were established in 1947 and were named after Antoinette Tony Perry, an actress, director, and producer who co-founded the American Theater Wing or the ATW. The ATW is a nonprofit organization that was formed during World War II to support the war effort and boost morale through theatrical entertainment. I had no idea that was a thing until I made this This audio recording. Ah, okay. The first Tony Awards ceremony took place on April 6, 1947 at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel in New York City. There were only 11 competitive categories at this inaugural event compared to the 26 categories in recent years. Over the years, the Tony Awards expanded to include more categories recognizing various aspects of theater production like acting, directing, design, technical achievement, and more. The introduction of the Best Musical category in 1949 marked a significant addition, becoming one of the most anticipated awards each year and drawing so many eyes to the Tony Awards. Now, the Tony Awards have happened in a ton of locations. I have to remember to breathe. It's happened in a ton of different theaters, starting off at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel, like I said, shifting to the Winter Garden Theater, and now most recently at Radio City Music Hall. It's been at other venues, but those are the three primary ones. So notable moments in theater history. In 1956, Julie Andrews won her first Tony Award for a performance in My Fair Lady, and this, I think, is what made her huge. It catapulted her into international stardom. I stand by that thought. In 1962, The Sound of Music won 5 Tony awards including Best Musical in 1982 the Tony Awards introduced the regional theater category honoring uh like theater outside of New York City every year this is my favorite award of of all of the awards i love the regional theater tony Angela Lansbury holds the record for most that's not true i wrote down facts and i don't think either Angela Lansbury or Audra McDonald hold the record for the most Tony awards won by an actress i believe it's Audra but it could be Angela get out of here. And the record for most Tony Awards won by a single production is the Producers and Hamilton. They both won 12 awards producers in 2001, Hamilton in 2016. I'm going off the cuff now, people, okay? Over the years, the Tony Awards have adapted to reflect changes in theater history. Categories include Best Book of a Musical and Best Original Score, music or lyrics written for the theater. They were introduced to recognize the growth and importance of musical theater, so they're adding and they're evolving as they go, right? The Tony Awards remain a highlight of the Broadway calendar, bringing Together, actors, directors, producers, and theater enthusiasts to celebrate the magic of live theater. I know the Tony Awards every year are one of my favorite weekends. I love the Tony Awards. Each year, the award ceremony honors the talent and creativity that makes Broadway a cultural treasure. Boom! There you go. The Tony Awards in probably over a minute, but leave me alone. Let's get to the next segment. <laughs> If you subscribe to Broadway Book Club, click the link in the show notes to see how you can get your favorite plays straight to your door. Subscribe annually to get new themes each quarter or choose from our specialty curated collections. What are you waiting for? And to the show notes for more information on Broadway Book Club. That is right, everybody. It is time for the rotating segment, Regional Theater Roundup. I know what you're wondering. What's Regional Theater Roundup? Well, what is my favorite thing to do in the world? It's not to act it's not to write. It's not to make this podcast. Those are all probably in the top five, but my favorite thing, and I'm not kidding, the thing that brings me joy every time is to drive three hours and to go see a play. I love it. I love it so much to like drive a couple hours and go see a wonderful professional f- play that like changes my life. And it does it every time. And I wanted to make a rotating segment, which is right here, Regional Theater Roundup, where I talk about some of my favorite regional theaters in the country with the hopes that if you're in the area, if you're within a couple of hours, you can go catch one of their shows because it's, it's truly just amazing. And today I'm talking about earnestly my favorite theater in the country, my number one favorite theater in the country. It is Everyman Theater in Baltimore, Maryland. This theater is beautiful. Everyman Theater, first off, gorgeous second off they have a resident theater company like the acting company that is just amazing it's like a crew of people that love working together it's it's wonderful uh, one of my, my favorite show i've seen not in new york in the last five years is the sound inside by adam rap done by Everyman last season and the two actors were resident actors and i i watched them tw- I, I went to see the show and i watched them like Bow together and have an earnest, genuine moment where you know they like enjoyed doing the show together so much. And this is just a theater where every show I've seen, I've enjoyed 100% of the time. They did Jump last year, an amazing play, a crazy read, and a ama- make, they make, they made vapes come from the ceiling. Uh, they did a, a new play called Dinner and Cake that one of their resident actors, Twit Thiefom, uh wrote, and it was awesome. It was so, so good. And this year, They do a really cool thing where they have a mix of like a ton of stuff in their season, right? So I've never seen A Doll's House. I know. It's sacrilegious. I've never seen A Doll's House in my life. But I saw the adaptation by Joni Schultz, who they also had come and direct, this 90-minute adaptation of A Doll's House. It was beautiful. It was amazing. In an interview, Joni Schultz said something along the lines of like, I wanted to give Torvald a fighting chance, um and it's and that's exactly what she does the end of the play is brilliant the character development she gives to both nora and torval from this female perspective in this play that is like a feminist play but i don't think ibsen ever meant for it to be a feminist play is just wonderful it made me love a doll's house which you like don't hear from a lot of like 20 somethings in theater but i love it i loved it so much the rest of their season are you ready for this chinese lady so a crazy play dial for murders or christmas show so 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 good crumbs from the table of joy anyone who's doing lynn nottage makes me the happiest in the world the book club play which is something i don't know but i i've read it's a hilarious play that follows anna and our friends whose book club becomes the subject of a document or a documentary and it looks awesome uh and then they're closing out with i love a good shakespeare a midsummer's night dream and or midsummer night's dream oh my gosh i butchered that everyman theater I think, is one of the greatest theaters in the country. They're doing what regional theaters should be doing, which is like creating beautiful art for their community, and they're doing it great in Baltimore. So if you have any chance to go to Baltimore, go there. If you are an adult who can afford expensive tickets, great. If not, I'm pretty sure every single show, the front row on stage right and stage left, are pay what you will. So Sometimes I get like a nice ticket. Sometimes I rush because they have a rush. But because I'm three and a half hours away, when I go to a show, usually I just get their pay what you will seats and I get to like pay as much money as I'm able to pay being a graduate student. You know what I mean? everyman theater baltimore maryland truly my favorite theater in the world the theaters i'm going to talk about in other regional theater roundups are also wonderful theaters but Everyman has just been hit after hit after hit and i'm so so proud to be a like person who goes there regularly i'm not kidding if i was living in baltimore i would be a member at this theater i would be a a constant subscriber everyman theater baltimore maryland and that is the regional theater roundup And that's our show. Thank you guys so much for listening to The Scene Podcast. I want to thank my amazing producer, KJ. I want to thank the amazing people over at The Scene for letting us make this wonderful show. We hope you have an awesome week Uh, we'll be back next week with obviously a new episode we'll always be back every week with a a version of the scene newsletter so make sure you're checking your emails for that Uh, if you want to check out any of my theater content you can check out my youtube channel at justin borak or check out my tiktok at mediocre jokes for a ton of theater recommendations but also just make sure you go read a play go try to see a play go try to enjoy some theater for me and please let me know what you think over on my Instagram at Justin Borak. I would love to talk to any and all of you about theater because if we know anything from these first two episodes, I'm the biggest theater nerd in the world and I'll happily let you challenge me for that title. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show and I'm going to end this episode the way I end every episode by saying the thing every theater student has said since the dawn of time. Scene. See you guys next week. The Scene Podcast is made possible by our host, Justin Borak, our producer and editor, KJ Lampard, and our executive producer, Zach Dooley. Special thanks to Melissa Klein and Zoe Dick for their special contributions to this episode. Don't forget to follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. Stay up to date with our latest theater antics. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you again next time.